Happy Friday, Story Fam. I hope you've had a wonderful week so far and that you're looking forward to a great weekend full of hopefully some rest and relaxation with family or friends. Before I share this week's reflection with you, I'd like to tell you a little bit about a new ministry uh, at the story that's really gotten me pretty excited over the past couple of months. Leading men is probably something you've heard us talk about at times um, in recent weeks, and it's our new ministry with men and for men that meets every other Tuesday morning for breakfast and a time of teaching. It's really meaningful. Uh, men ranging in age from 22 to 65 have been gathering on Tuesday mornings to dig deeper into some of our deepest questions about God or the Bible or what it means to be men of faith in our context. So this Tuesday, April 20th at 6.45 in the morning, uh, that's breakfast time, and then 7 a.m. is the start time to the program, and I'm going to be speaking this week. I don't speak at all of these, but I'll speak at this one, and I'll speak to the men about the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. You know, at the story, we're always talking about how the resurrection is the central event in the Christian perspective and our worldview and how on the most fundamental level, being a Christian means believing in your heart that Jesus rose from the grave. But that's much easier said than done, right? I mean, especially in 2021, when most of us in a scientific world like ours, (laughs) we assume that dead people can't wake up three days after they died. So are we just supposed to turn off our brains in order to receive Jesus in our hearts? Is that how it works? Now, aside from religious sentiments and blind faith, what evidence do we have to reasonably assume or believe that Jesus really walked out of his tomb? So if that's a question that's on your mind, uh, just know you're not alone and join me at Leading Men on Tuesday morning, April 20th, 645 to 8 at our River Oaks campus, our main campus here, uh, to hear some more of the, uh, or just some of the compelling evidence and um, the reasons I think uh, we have to believe in the resurrection as a true and historical event. Men, especially men of the story, this is a great chance to invite a close friend or colleague to join you at Leading Men as I think this is a topic of interest to many people, including skeptics and non-Christians. Women who are listening to me right now, this is a great chance to tell the men in your life about this event as a great way to get maybe them interested in in, in connecting more at the story. Um, whatever the case, I hope to see you guys bright and early Tuesday morning. Now let's get on to this week's reflection. It also has to do with masculinity. All right, so... It's called, Is Masculinity Toxic? And full disclosure, I wrote this a couple of years ago. I'm just um, bringing it back. I remember growing up with a very clear picture of the ideal man. On lazy Saturday afternoons, my dad would break out a box of VHS tapes. He would pop one in the VCR. And we would eat a sandwich or a snack and watch old episodes of The Andy Griffith Show. (laughs) the black and white episodes, not the color episodes, because it wasn't the same, according to my dad. The lead character on the show, Sheriff Andy Taylor, was thoughtful and introspective. Scenes would often open with Andy just sitting quietly at his desk or on his front porch or on a sidewalk bench, just thinking or quietly observing his surroundings. A widowed single father, Andy was a provider for his family, a leader in his community, and a church-going, God-fearing man. He was patriotic and civic-minded. He was tough, but tender. 
Sheriff Andy was celebrated in the media in the show as, quote, the sheriff without a gun, unquote. He proudly wore a badge on his chest, but he never had a weapon on his hip. Now, that's not meant to be a comment on gun control. Those were different times then. Police work was different then, I suppose, especially in Mayberry, where Andy lived. For all we know, Andy might have had a concealed carry under his standard-issue sheriff shirt. I don't know. This isn't about that. This is about the character of a man in authority who never needed anyone to know that he had a weapon. Andy Taylor was man enough to stand on his own two feet without any need to prove his masculinity by intimidating or bullying those around him or by wielding power over them. In those days, I wanted to become a man like Sheriff Andy, dutiful and responsible, a man you can depend on, a man my father respected. As I grew into adolescence, I got bored with my dad's old shows and adopted new models of masculinity, ranging from professional athletes to movie stars to cartoon characters like The Simpsons or South Park. The men I looked up to were essentially the opposites of Sheriff Taylor. They were agnostic, undignified, and lacking in self-control, to say the least. In adolescence, I began to internalize the idea that to be a man is to be ridiculous. I'm not sure when it started, but it's clear that we are in the midst of a masculinity crisis in America. No one knows really what it means to be a good man these days. In some contexts, you can't even talk about what good masculinity is because masculinity itself is widely believed to be a problem, to be a vice. And rarely is it talked of as a virtue, in my opinion. This breaks my heart because just about every man that I know who's under 35 or 40 has very little idea, if any idea, where the target is that he's supposed to be aiming for in terms of living out his masculinity. From his first day in kindergarten, he was told that good kids sit still in class and do creative work in an orderly way, on time and as requested, skills that frankly, studies show, typically favor female students. If he made it through school and got good enough grades to go to college, which is, by the way, a big if, considering how the odds are stacked against him in terms of admission rates uh, as, as women have become dominant in our culture in terms of admission rates. Um, if he got that far, he probably heard for years um, all about how his most natural and masculine traits sort of masculine things like assertiveness or ambition or competitiveness are toxic. That's probably what he heard on his college campus. That's what happens on, <laughs> try not to overspeak, but most college campuses. Last week, the American Psychology Association released new guidelines for working with men and boys in which they conclude that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is a harmful mental illness in need of a cure. A few years ago, Gillette, the same company that for decades has profited wildly from men and that has paid $120 million to have its name on a football stadium where grown men professionally crack each other's skulls every Sunday afternoon, released an ad calling men out for toxic masculinity. In the ad, boys and men are portrayed as cyber bullies, mansplaining misogynists, 
violent jerks, and sexual perverts. The video has gone viral online and, and continues to uh, be seen by millions of people a year. And some say it's exactly the sort of message that men need to hear today. Well, I'm not sure I agree. I'm not sure men need to hear one more word about how our masculinity is toxic. We need to hear how our masculinity is needed, how our masculine traits are wanted, valued, cherished, appreciated, and accepted by the wider culture. We need to be reminded that our masculinity is a gift from God. A man's target shouldn't be to shed his masculine traits and adopt more feminine ones. A man's target should be to express his masculinity the same way Jesus did, defending the defenseless, empowering the powerless, being fathers to the fatherless. Most men come hardwired by God to sacrifice ourselves, to gladly fill the gaps left behind by others. We should wear our God-given instinct to risk our lives for the sake of others, for the sake of women and children, for the sake of the greater good, for the sake of our brothers, as a badge of honor. And sometimes all we need to be reminded, I'm, I'm sorry, sometimes we all need to be reminded of the gifts that men bring to the world. For example, it was almost all men, by a margin of 416,800 American men to 543 women who laid down their lives fighting Hitler's villainy in World War II. Now, I know there were rules in place preventing women from being in combat, and I'm not suggesting anything derogatory about women and their willingness to lay down their lives. All of us are here because a woman essentially chose to lay down her life in some way so we could be born. But I think it's worth mentioning the numbers of men who have spilled their blood for the sake of our freedom. On top of that, 96% of American firefighters are men, as are 88% of our police officers, men. By a wide margin, men do the most dangerous jobs in our culture, jobs like logging timber, roofing, and sanitation, jobs that keep our society running. In 2015, men accounted for 93% of workplace deaths. 4,500 men died on the job that year, while only 344 women died while working. Let me ask you a question. Can you really imagine the public outcry if those numbers were reversed? If on the job, 4,500 women were dying each year, while only 344 men were dying, there would be a social revolution. The same is not the case, given that it's men who are dying. Now, given these facts given all these things uh, to, under your consideration, can, can you imagine then how it feels as a man for all men to be blanket sort of categorized as toxic because of masculinity? Ironically, the very traits that come so naturally to most men, our God-given stoicism, poise under pressure, our ability to compartmentalize and our instinct to protect and to serve at all costs, those traits are what will keep us going in spite of the 
unjust, often spiteful, anti-male criticism that has become so commonplace in so many circles in our culture these days. Friends, I don't believe that masculinity is toxic. I believe humanity is. Then I believe for all of us, both male and female, Jesus is the only cure. For more on the topic of Christian masculinity, I hope you'll join us for worship this Sunday at The Story. I'll be sharing a message called Cross-Shaped Masculinity that will dig deeper into the issues that I raised in this reflection. As always, I would love to hear back from you if you would like to write to me with your thoughts, even if they're angry. (laughs) Let me know and we can have a conversation about these issues. Uh, This is one that's near and dear to my heart as the father of a young son and um, the pastor of a church full of men and women who are seeking to know the Lord. So thank you all so much. I hope you have a great weekend. I'd love to see you on Sunday at The Story. Love you all. Bye-bye.